Chapter Five, Part Two, of Forty Thousand Miles Over Land and Water. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Forty Thousand Miles Over Land and Water, by Ethel Gwendolyn Vincent, to the Far West, Part Two. At three in the morning we were awoke with a dreadful shock, under which the car shivered and upheaved. We heard the crash of falling china, and seemed to feel the furious application of the air-brakes, which brought us to a dead stop. In the awful stillness that succeeded, the conductor rushed through the cars and begged us to keep still. Every head was protruded from between the curtains, and there were frightened exclamations to be heard from all sides. The suspense that ensued was terrible. Too soon the truth came. There was our engine smashed to pieces off the line, the tender high in the air telescoping the luggage van. Ten feet off was another engine of another passenger train. It was eastward bound, and therefore on the main track waiting for us, the westward train to pass on to the siding. The signal, a covered headlight, had gone out. The fireman, moving to replace it, accidentally waved a lighted lantern, which the driver of our train took as a signal that the eastbound train had gone on to the siding instead, and, at the rate of twenty-five miles an hour, we continued running into the stationary passenger train. The drivers and firemen of both engines saved themselves by jumping off, and we all had a providential escape from what might have proved a terrible accident. We were forty miles from a village, and eighty from a town in any surgical aid. A messenger was sent to walk to the nearest telegraph station, six miles away, and nothing remained to us but to wait. We looked out on the silent prairie, the stars solemnly keeping watch in the deep blue vault of heaven, thinking of the strange situation till dawn broke and the sun rose. Then we could penetrate to the scene of the disaster. There was much debris scattered about the track, and the broken engines lay on the ground facing each other. The corpses of some murdered fowls were inside the luggage van, and suspended in mid-air. I saw at once my new Saratoga, a last American acquisition. The remainder of the baggage was more or less injured, and Two trunks were completely wrecked, and their contents strewn on the ground. We were resigned, and prepared to spend the day on the prairie when, sooner than we thought possible by the earliest calculation, two relief engines arrived, and drew off each train. The eastward bound was first sent on its way rejoicing, and we followed. The black porter had been very much to the fore about seven o'clock, providing breakfast for all as those bringing provisions had calculated on arriving at Denver in the early morning. "'Guess I's best man in the car this morning,' he said with a grin, showing his white teeth. For the remainder of the journey we suffered dreadfully from the heat, and the sand penetrated into every crevice and corner. How we strained our aching eyes over that burnt, parched plain, in search of the vestige of a shadow or any green thing to give relief! At last we did see something, a mirage it almost seemed for the first moment, of dark blue mountains with dazzling crowns of snow. 
they were the glorious range of the rockies bounding the horizon and denver lay at their feet as we got out on the platform it seemed almost as if the atmosphere inside the car was preferable to that outside so sultry and oppressive as it was the heated pavement burnt the soles of our feet and the trees near the station were drooping and white with dust however we took a more cheerful view after we had changed our dusty garments and been refreshed with a bath thought it in fact almost worth while having felt so hot and weary to be now so bright and fresh and ready for a drive in the cool of the evening as we passed through those quiet orderly streets it was very difficult to realize that denver sprang into existence with the discovery of the gold diggings and twenty years ago was peopled entirely by the lawless roughs brought thither by the gold fever they were being gradually superseded by a quiet industrious population centering here from the country districts although often even now you look into the face of many a man following some menial occupation who shows traces of not being to the manner born but who in the search for sudden wealth at the diggings has left the little he had below ground and thankfully turned to any kind of work to earn a bare livelihood we passed a fine house with the proprietor sitting in the garden our driver pointed to him that ere man this time last year was a beggar Today is one of the richest men in denver in five weeks he had made one million and a half dollars at the diggings the man spoke bitterly and we more than suspected that he too had his turn of ill luck at them and the like story might be told of most of its inhabitants there are a few streets and the remainder of the town consists of pretty little villas and cottages each standing in a garden fresh kept and green by the unlimited use of water they have an ingenious contrivance for watering consisting of a pipe attached to the hose with the top perforated with holes that turning with the action of the water scatters forth a shower of spray and is left always playing upon the grass life is carried on to a great extent out of doors people working meeting and receiving guests in the verandas the houses are kept dark and cool by shutters and the fine wire doors are an absolutely necessary precaution against the plague of flies denver has not yet reached that stage in its development when it can have any public buildings of interest but they are moving in that direction as is shown by the fine city hall they are just finishing erecting on the hill we had the disagreeable business to be gone through of going down to the station late in the evening to receive the wreck of our luggage brought on from the scene of the morning's accident by the next passenger train my saratoga was levered down with some difficulty and with great care exercised in the removal happily lasted till it reached the hotel c's hat-box and its contents were reduced to an unrecognizable mass and the remainder of the baggage was more or less torn with locks broken i must say we thought the company behaved exceedingly well as without demur they gave us damages to the amount of thirty-five dollars but we afterwards learnt the reason which was that if further injuries were discovered no further compensation could be claimed sunday august seventeenth denver colorado 
we went to the morning service at the cathedral it is a plain brick building at present cold and bare inside but it is intended to decorate it richly when the necessary funds are forthcoming the stained glass windows in the chancel are really beautiful copied from van dyck's crucifixion at antwerp the organ is fine and the singing of the well-trained choir of men and women the latter sitting behind a screen quite worthy of it we had a very eloquent and sarcastic sermon from dean hart an englishman he chose as his text balaam the son of beor under the very shadow of the rockies in the far west how strange it was to be listening to a full cathedral service and the prayers of the church of england binding together both american and english the air was very sultry with frequent storms in the afternoon we went by the circular railway to jewel park and enjoyed the beautiful sight of the rocky mountains swept with dark storms or momentarily emerging under a brightly shining sun monday august eighteenth we left denver at eight a m and our way lay for many miles along the foot of the rockies though twenty miles away the rarefied atmosphere of five thousand feet above the level of the sea brought them apparently to within two or three miles of us and now we could understand their name of rockies for boulders of rock and loose stones with the long scars where they have given way under the influence of the snow form their prominent characteristics there were some little patches of snow yet unmelted and nestling in the deep crevasses buffalo grass was still to be seen on all sides and the fat brown prairie dogs kept popping in and out of their holes and for the first time too we noticed the cacti that grow in such wild profusion on the prairie we were imperceptibly mounting the great divide and as we reached the small lake at the summit the country grew fresher and greener and the broad grass expanse with groups of trees gave to it the appearance of a vast park the remainder of the way lay through cultivated fields the great barrier of mountains on one side always leaving to the imagination the pleasure of the great unknown beyond we were soon at colorado springs here there was no sign of a village we could only see the large hotel the antlers through the overarching trees of a long avenue in the afternoon we took a buggy and drove over to manitou the clear dry climate of this high altitude draws many invalids to manitou and there are several large hotels clustering in the neighborhood of the springs of soda iron and sulphur also numerous boarding-houses where we observed many little white tents pitched in their neighborhood to allow for an overflow of boarders one was very aptly called the rocky rest and was to rent manitou lies under the shadow of the great range the rocks seem ready to fall and crush the little village and the pine forests cast their gloom into the valley from the many surrounding peaks pike's peak raises its giant head towering above the others and the little black speck just distinguishable on the summit if the clouds are not down is the signal station whence three times daily weather reports are telegraphed to all parts of the states and the storms forwarded across the atlantic to us the picturesque ascent of ten miles on mules is soon to be no more 
for syndicate of four speculators are making a railway taking a circuitous route of thirty miles to the top and already the dark line of earth and the rows of telegraph poles tell of its progress we drove on up the ute pass to the rainbow falls but there were unfortunately no iridescent beams from the sun that afternoon if we could have gone on climbing that beautiful canyon for one hundred twenty miles we should have come suddenly upon one of those vast open spaces or parks that form colorado's greatest beauty they are comparatively unknown at present owing to the want of railway communication we had tea with dr and mrs bell who have built themselves a charming house in manitou they live there all year round and say the winters are comparatively mild we stayed so long that it was late before we drove on to the garden of the gods but i was glad for nothing could have been more beautiful than the evening shadows creeping up the mountains the blue gloom of the pines and before us a park with stunted oaks and masses of light red sandstone they are curled twisted writhing masses strewn in wild confusion on the ground forming the most incongruous series of objects there was the old scotchman in his highland bonnet two sheep kissing each other their idiotic noses distinctly seen in the act of touching the newfoundland dog the old man's cellar the semicircle of mushrooms very perfect in form and the magnificent outline of the lion cut out on the face of the rock you irresistibly give play to the imagination people this little kingdom with fairy fancies entering at the gate beautiful a storm has swept down from the mountains bringing a dark mist peopled by the demons dwelling in its hidden caverns whilst the storm rages and the thunder crashes through the echoing mountains and the lightning flashes on the rugged peaks the works of darkness are done the destruction wrought the garden of the gods is so no longer the name is ironical some such dim idea floated through our minds i suppose as the three glorious piles of the brightest red sandstone rose before us three hundred feet in height forming the entrance called the gate beautiful and the cathedral is near by with delicate spires pointing heavenwards monuments they stand to last throughout eternity and as we passed through the portals and left the land of enchantment what a dull cold feeling gathered round us the warmth of the red glow inside was superseded by gloom added to by that formation of cold white rock outside though it was growing dark we ventured up the weird gorge to glen erie with general palmer's residence guarded by the three pillars the one called major domo being in the centre we spied an eagle's nest built into a split in the rock then home we galloped across the plains the horses hardly touching the ground darkness creeping over the prairie clouds on pike's peak and manitou in gloom after dinner we went out to see the stars which are so beautiful in this clear atmosphere with a milky way a trailing cloud across the sky tuesday august sixteenth in the train going to salt lake city we have been spending the day in the rocky mountains amongst some of the most beautiful scenery in the world awed and struck by the grandeur of the scenes we have passed through we began in the early freshness of the morning with a drive up the cheyenne pass 
a wild gorge penetrating for some miles into the heart of the mountains we passed first through prairie fields where pink anemones wild larkspur bluebells sunflowers large white poppies cornflowers and a delicate pink flower called here a primrose grew in wild luxuriance over a very rough laid road where only carriage of such light build as ours was could have been driven the bridges over the many freshets were made of the stems of pine trees loosely laid together and as often as the horses stepped on one end the other rose up it was a scene of the wildest beauty as we penetrated even deeper into a contracting gorge one of the great charms of this range is the rich color of the red sandstone masses blackened and weather-stained in parts by the action of centuries we were surrounded hemmed in overhung by these stupendous fragments and masses of rocks leaning towards each other and leaving only a narrow streak of sky as a relief from the surrounding gloom which was heightened by the dark pines that clung and found a footing on every narrow ledge when we reached the end of the canyon which by this time was so deep and dark as to form only a chasm amongst the rocks we were fairly spellbound breathless almost from the astounding magnificence of the scene before us seven waterfalls falling down the face of the black cliff seven clouds of spray falling one under each other each into its dark pool below we climbed up a frail wooden staircase hung out from ledges in the rocks looking into every little hollow following the fall of the water over each until we traced it to its source where it first comes gliding over the quiet green pool laying hid in a rocky basin above this pool takes the reflection of the dark pines on its calm depths we lingered and tried to go turned back and at last left it with a gnawing pang of regret we shall not soon forget that quiet spot away from the haunts of men we passed into the darkness of the chasm below retraced our steps and were soon out in the open under the bright sunshine once more and before the hour was over were speeding many miles away in the train we found the train leaving colorado springs very crowded adding to the discomfort of the narrow gauge with a proportionately narrowed car we kept the backbone of the rockies in sight for a long way now and then drawing near to one of the outlying spurs we dined at pueblo a town standing on a bluff of bare rock destitute of vegetation and its spanish origin is still evidenced by the fine breed of mules brought from their colonies in mexico we saw here the arrival of the pony express with a leather mail bag slung across the peak of the saddle to be carried on by the train but its arrival now is very different than described by mark twain in his reminiscences in roughing it Quote, in a little while all interest was taken up in stretching our necks and watching for the pony rider the fleet messenger sped across the continent from st joe to sacramento carrying letters nineteen hundred miles in eight days he got but a little frivolous correspondence to carry his bag has business letters in it mostly the little flat mail packets strapped under the rider's thighs would each hold about the bulk of a child's primer they held many and many an important business chapter and newspaper letter but these were written on papers airy and thin as gold leaf there were about eighty pony riders in the saddle all the time night and day stretching in a long scattered procession of missouri to california 
forty flying eastward and forty towards the west, and among them making four hundred gallant horses earn a stirring livelihood. Here it comes! Every neck is stretched further, and every eye strained wider. Away across the endless dead level of the prairie, a black spot appears against the sky, and it is plain that it moves. In a second or two it becomes a horse and rider, rising and falling, rising and falling, sweeping towards us nearer and nearer, growing more and more distinct, more and more sharply defined, nearer and still nearer, and the flutter of the hooves come faintly to the ear. Another instant, a whoop and a hurrah from our upper deck, a wave of the rider's hand, but no reply. A man and horse burst past our excited faces and go winging away like a belated fragment of a storm. So sudden is it all, and so like a flash of unreal fancy, that but for a flake of white foam left quivering and perishing on a mail sack after the vision had passed by and disappeared, we might have doubted whether we had seen an actual horse and man at all. End quote. At 3 p.m., we were entering the great canyon of the Arkansas. The Royal Gorge must have been formed by some great convulsion in nature, rending the mountains from the top to the bottom and leaving this deep chasm. The muddy mountain torrent has burrowed a channel through for itself, where it lashes and foams into fury against the obstructing rocks. It is an ingenious idea, making the line on ground literally blasted out of the rock or bridged over the torrent, while the precipices overhang it meet above. No green thing on their polished sides, but there is a beautiful blending of colors in the red and blue and green veins of the rocks. We were in the deepest shadows from the depth of the gorge. The train crept along only too quickly, and we were trying to enjoy to our utmost the stupendous grandeur of the scene by hanging out of the windows of the car when we gradually became aware that it was fading. And though for some time longer we were going through a succession of mountain passes which opened out before us, were passed, and looked back upon, they paled by comparison with the Royal Gorge. Late in the afternoon we were crossing an open plain, and separated by countless nearer summits, we saw the irregular snow-capped peaks of the Sangre de Cristo. I am not sure that I did not think this irregular, indefinite view of green, far-stretching plains and blue haze on distant mountains was more beautiful than the solemn grandeur of the Royal Gorge. End of chapter 5, part 2